Can I rant for a sec? Please. Pay apps are way too public. What happened? Some rando hearted a payment from five months ago, and I realized people can see my entire history, who I'm paying, like full names. It's super weird. Yeah, it's weird. How are you paying your friends then? Apple Cash. It's all in messages. You can literally send cash like a text, and it stays between friends. Random people can't see it. Did you just pay me a dollar on Apple Cash? <laughs> Services are provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Terms apply. You don't just live in your home, you live in your neighborhood as well. So when you're shopping for a home, you want to know as much about the area around it as possible. Luckily, Homes.com has got you covered. Each listing features a comprehensive neighborhood guide from local experts. Everything you'd ever want to know about a neighborhood, including the number of homes for sale, transportation, local amenities, cultural attractions, unique qualities, and even things like median lot size and a noise score. Homes.com. We've done your homework. The wait is almost over. Get ready for the 2024 NFL season as the full schedule is announced. Every rivalry, every rematch, every rookie debut, every game revealed. The 2024 NFL schedule release presented by Verizon coming in May. Live on NFL Network, ESPN2, and streaming on NFL+. Terms and conditions apply to NFL+. Visit nfl.com slash schedule release to learn more. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals, committed to improving your life as well as the world around you. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. You deserve a moment to yourself every single day. And a delicious bite of a Keebler Sandies can give you that comforting pause. Don't forget to pack the melt-in-your-mouth magic of a Keebler Sandies for a post-lunch pick-me-up. This magic is baked into simple shortbread cookies by Ernie and the Keebler Elves. So as life continues to fly by, make the most of your me moment. Take a pause and enjoy a Keebler Sandies. Welcome to Criminalia, a production of Shondaland Audio in partnership with iHeartRadio. He was a Cambridge-educated polymath and advisor to Queen Elizabeth I, and he also conversed with the angels. Welcome to Criminalia, where today we'll be talking about the celebrated mathematician and alchemist John Dee. I'm Maria Tremarchi. And I'm Holly Fry. The influence of prophecy and astrology have an important place in the 15th and 16th centuries. So it was no surprise that the ideas were important to King Henry VII, who ruled England from August 1485 until his death in April of 1509. The importance of those things remained strong through the Tudor period, which began the same year Henry took the throne and came to an end in 1603. Not only was he fascinated by the occult, that fascination continued through generations of his family. His son, Henry VIII, was obsessed with the practices, as was Elizabeth I, Henry VIII's daughter. Enter the man named John Dee. John Dee. Is there anything he wasn't interested in? Let's start with his personal life. John Dee was born in July of 1527 to Roland and Joanna Dee, who were of Welsh descent. 
Borland was a tailor and a mercer. A mercer was a merchant who dealt with fabrics, usually expensive fabrics. And just in case we have any stitchers in the crowd and your brain has made the connection to the phrase mercerized cotton, which comes up in descriptions of thread and occasional sewing textiles, coincidental and unrelated... That is named for a process of treating fabrics, so they uptake dye more readily, but it is named for John Mercer, who invented it several hundred years after the events we're talking about today, which puts us in the mid-1800s. And we could thank Holly for the stitchery and sewing information. I immediately thought of mercerized cotton. I knew you would. I didn't, didn't want any confusion to be there. Uh, so back to John D. John was married at least twice and possibly three times. Here's what we've got. John's first wife was Catherine Constable. The couple had no children. There may have been a second wife after Catherine, but that is unclear. Again, if there was a marriage, there were no children. John was, we know, married to Jane Fromond. Jane had been a lady-in-waiting to the Countess of Lincoln. It suggested that Jane's connections could have helped her new husband's career and his finances in his later years. Now, also, depending on what you read, John and Jane had either one child or they had eight children. Pretty wide margin. (laughs) Uh, In the scenario where the couple is described as having one child, that child was a son named Arthur. And Arthur, like his father, was an alchemist who was also physician to King Charles I of England and to Tsar Michael I of Russia. The version of the story where they had eight children kind of falls out like this. There were four boys and four girls, and it's possible that at least two of their daughters died of plague. Let's switch this focus to John's work. John really was a genius. If you look up the word polymath in the dictionary, you could possibly see a picture of John D. He was a person who was genuinely curious about our world and what might be beyond our world. So John, as you'll get to know, was was really quite a character. But we can't talk about all the things about his life in this episode. He was a force of nature, and our show just isn't big enough to contain him. So if there's something about his life that we skip over, we probably didn't want to. We know about Dee's education because he told us about it. (laughs) In 1592, he recounted how, at age 15, he attended St. John's College, Cambridge, where, he wrote, he studied for at least 18 hours a day. He received his undergraduate degree in 1545 and a master's degree in 1548, both from St. John's. In 1546, John was elected a fellow at the newly founded Trinity College. He also spent time studying at the University of Leuven. Note that here we're talking about old University of Leuven, not the newer Catholic University of Leuven, which was established in 1835. And it is at university where John D. met, in his words, some, quote, learned men. These learned men included mathematicians Gemma Frisius, Gerardus Mercator, and Gaspar America. By 1550, John was living in and lecturing around Paris and went on to work for King Henry II of France, as well as the University of Paris. Dee's understanding of chemistry and physics was extraordinary, and he's said to have used these skills to produce some pretty impressive stage effects during his time at Cambridge. Here's one great example of his mathematical antics. He was involved in a production of Aristophanes' Athenian play Pax, or Peace, a comedy that was first staged in 421 BCE. 
Dee's contribution was this, a giant mechanical scarab beetle used as a prop to make it appear as though a character was flying through the air while riding the insect's back. The performance, it was reviewed, was so lifelike and astonishing to the audience that many believed Dee must have conspired with the devil to make such a thing. And Dee's thoughts? Well, we quote him here. And for these, and such like marvelous arts and feats naturally, mathematically and mechanically wrought and contrived, ought any student and modest Christian philosopher be counted and called a conjurer? As a student at Trinity College, Dee gained a reputation as a magician. We're going to take a break for a word from our sponsor, and when we're back, we will talk about the crime of calculating. Hey, everybody, it's Holly. Listen, I've been doing stuff on stage since I was a kid, which means that I have been doing my makeup since I was a kid. And I can turn out a look when I need to, but on my day-to-day, I really like to keep it a little more relaxed and low-key. I don't have time for a full face most of the time. But that also means that Thrive Cosmetics can have me covered no matter what I'm doing, whether I'm doing something on stage, like I have an appearance or a live show, or I'm just running to the grocery store. Something in their line is perfect. And what I really love and what's important to me is that they are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free. And to me, cruelty-free is very important in the cosmetics I use. I mentioned that I've been doing my makeup for a long time. I've gotten older (laughs) in that time. And one of the things that I've done to refresh my look is switch over to their brilliant eye brighteners and use something like a rose gold shade to really like go all around my eye and then just blend it out and get a daytime smoky look. It makes me look a little more youthful and more refreshed. And it's just easy as pie. And it means that I don't have to mess with a whole ton of products. Refresh your everyday look with Thrive Cosmetics, luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 10% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com slash criminalia. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S dot com slash criminalia for 10% off your first order. Can I rant for a sec? Please. Pay apps are way too public. What happened? Some rando hearted a payment from five months ago, and I realized people can see my entire history, who I'm paying, like full names. It's super weird. Yeah, it's weird. How are you paying your friends then? Apple Cash. It's all in messages. You can literally send cash like a text, and it stays between friends. Random people can't see it. Did you just pay me a dollar on Apple Cash? (laughs) Services are provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Terms apply. The wait is almost over. Get ready for the 2024 NFL season as the full schedule is announced. Every rivalry, every rematch, every rookie debut, every game revealed. The 2024 NFL schedule release presented by Verizon coming in May. Live on NFL Network, ESPN2, and streaming on NFL+. Plus. Terms and conditions apply to NFL+. Plus. Visit nfl.com slash schedule release to learn more. Hi, I'm Cindy Crawford, and I'm the founder of Meaningful Beauty. When Dr. Sabah and I decided to do a skincare line together, he said to me, we are going to give women meaningful beauty. And I said, that's exactly right. We want to give women meaningful beauty, which means each and every product is meaningful. It has a a reason to exist. It's efficacious. You're going to get results. And then you just go out and live your life. Meaningful beauty. Confidence is beautiful. Learn more at MeaningfulBeauty.com. 
At JCPenney, fashion counts for everybody and everybody. It's spring and with the weather changing and so many great things coming up like Mother's Day and the wind down tour, I definitely need a fresh spring wardrobe for every occasion. This spring, I'm looking for that perfect flowy spring dress for Mother's Day as well as replacing my everyday basics. That's what I love about JCPenney. They have so many stylish and comfortable options that I always find just what I'm looking for there. Spring is a feel good season and comes in all shapes, sizes, and colors. The fashion at JCPenney is the same way. Refresh your wardrobe this spring with styles that gets you. Something to wear that fits your favorite moments of the season at prices that feel just as good. Discover brands that get you and put style and comfort first, like Worthington and Liz Claiborne for her. Each in women's petite and plus sizes. And Stafford and Mutual Weave for him. Style and comfort for all, even big and tall. Plus even more for the whole family like Levi's and Exertion. Here spring comes in all shapes, sizes, and colors. JCPenney, make everybody count. Welcome back to Criminalia. Let's talk about John Dee, astrologer to the royals. It is said that John turned down a mathematical professorship at the University of Paris in 1551, and another similar position at the University of Oxford in 1554, all in the hope that he would be able to score an official position with the crown. And he did. And then he got arrested. Dee was arrested and charged with the crime of something called calculating. It was in reference to what was considered an act of treason on his behalf by casting horoscopes for Queen Mary and her younger sister Elizabeth, who would go on to become Elizabeth I. He was then interrogated by the Star Chamber, which was an English court that sat in the Palace of Westminster. He was exonerated by the common law judges in that court, but he later was examined by Edmund Bonner, Bishop of London, and infamous heretic Hunter. The outcome may not have been exactly what you expect, though. Dee and Bonner became friends, and that marked the end of any further investigation. Later, found among Dee's books, was one inscribed in Latin, quote, The House of My Singular Friend, a reference to a stay at Bonner's home. John Dee did work for the royal family, and he became famously known as the conjurer to Queen Elizabeth I. But Dee wasn't just astrologer to the royals. He had clients and students outside of the royal family, including Francis Bacon, promoter of a new idea called the scientific method, and the astronomer Thomas Diggs, who believed the universe to be infinite. Not to be missed, too, is Dee's library, which is kind of a character in and of itself. It was not your ordinary home bookshelves, and it was known to have contained as many as 3,000 to 4,000 books. It became a hub, a sort of scholarly network, that he often imagined expanding into an international research institute. Occultism in these types of practices were actually pretty normal for the period, and the occult sciences enjoyed a kind of renaissance in later Elizabethan England as print and translation made ancient, medieval, and earlier Renaissance texts available to would-be English adepts, writes academic Paul S. Seaver. Dee didn't view any of his study as heresy. He saw the practices as a way to learn more about the world and the cosmos. He spent much of his time on the ideas of alchemy, divination, and hermetic philosophy. And he was known for his accuracy in what was, at the time, the newly emerging science of physics, and for his interest in exploration of chemical compounds. But here is a problem that Dee and his peers ran into. Math made people suspicious. Dee was up against a society that considered math disreputable, 
It was thought to be in league with the practices of witchcraft and the dark arts. You're manipulating the counting of things. That is scary. Nicholas Copernicus's De Revolutionibus, published in 1543, for instance, was scandalous because of its heliocentric theory of the solar system. But the fact that he used mathematics to deduce the things he couldn't directly see was also problematic. During the Tudor period, math books were often destroyed, usually burned for being, and we're quoting, conjuring books. A few decades after Dee's death in 1651, biographer John Raleigh was accused of conjuring when he used basic geometry to calculate the height of a steeple. So alchemy could and was confused with witchery from time to time or often. And at this time, as we've seen, such as with Cornelius Agrippa, as well as Nostradamus, when your work and interests fall into what's considered to be beyond our physical world, you begin to kind of toe the line between an afternoon discussion about horoscopes in the Queen's court to being punished by death for heresy. In 1600, just a few years before John's death, astronomer Giordano Bruno was executed because well, I mean, actually, it depends on which historian you ask, because this is debated. The Roman Inquisition condemned him, at, at least partly because of cosmology. Bruno argued there were many worlds, and he was formally accused by the church, not of heresy, but of blasphemy, 13 times in 10 depositions by six witnesses. These out-of-world ideas led to his death. Eventually, John Dee left the Queen's service to seek deeper knowledge of the occult and the supernatural. In doing so, though, Dee aligned himself with individuals who were or who were once considered to be con artists and charlatans and, frankly, frauds. Dee's gadgets and devices may have seemed magical to the untrained eye, but they were actually mathematical instruments. The children near his home in Mortlake, quote, dreaded him because he was accounted a conjurer. But you see, John was a conjurer. Dee closely studied codes and cryptography discussed in Stenographia by the German abbot Johannes Trithemius, who, by the way, was suspected of diabolical wizardry. Stenographia described the practice of concealing a message within another message or a physical object basically the art of encrypting messages, and it's the book that turned D on the idea of angelic communication. John spent years scrying for angels and spirits with a man named Edward Kelly, who was an English Renaissance occultist and self-declared spirit medium. Scrying is a form of divination that involves staring into a reflective surface, such as a crystal ball or a mirror or maybe water, and looking for visions of things to come in the future. John and Edward were seeking, and we quote, angelic conversation. Dee and Kelly claimed they'd discovered an angelic language called Enochian and were being taught the alphabet and words by the angels themselves. So we have to talk about this part because the story here takes a pretty big turn. There is a version of John and Edward's story where Edward claims the angels wanted the men to swap wives. Depending on the version, this situation may have happened in Poland. Also depending on the version, they did swap wives and shortly after parted ways. Some versions do, while others do not, claim that in one of these journals, he writes Kelly may have fathered one of his sons. You know, regardless of which adventure here that you choose, 
the two men did part ways. We are going to take a break here for a word from our sponsor. And when we're back, we're going to talk about the idea that John D. was a spy. Hi, I'm Cindy Crawford, and I'm the founder of Meaningful Beauty. When Dr. Sabah and I decided to do a skincare line together, he said to me, we are going to give women meaningful beauty. And I said, that's exactly right. We want to give women meaningful beauty, which means each and every product is meaningful. It has a, a reason to exist. It's efficacious. You're going to get results. And then you just go out and live your life. Meaningful beauty. Confidence is beautiful. Learn more at MeaningfulBeauty.com. The wait is almost over. Get ready for the 2024 NFL season as the full schedule is announced. Every rivalry, every rematch, every rookie debut, every game revealed. The 2024 NFL schedule release presented by Verizon coming in May. Live on NFL Network, ESPN2, and streaming on NFL+. Plus. Terms and conditions apply to NFL+. Plus. Visit nfl.com slash schedule release to learn more. At JCPenney, fashion counts for everybody and everybody. It's spring, and with the weather changing and so many great things coming up like Mother's Day and the wind-down tour, I definitely need a fresh spring wardrobe for every occasion. This spring, I'm looking for that perfect, flowy spring dress for Mother's Day, as well as replacing my everyday basics. That's what I love about JCPenney. They have so many stylish and comfortable options that I always find just what I'm looking for there. Spring is a feel-good season and comes in all shapes, sizes, and colors. The fashion at JCPenney is the same way. Refresh your wardrobe this spring with styles that gets you, something to wear that fits your favorite moments of the season at prices that feel just as good. Discover brands that get you and put style and comfort first, like Worthington and Liz Claiborne for her, each in women's petite and plus sizes, and Stafford and Mutual Weave for him, style and comfort for all, even big and tall, plus even more for the whole family like Levi's and Exertion. Here, spring comes in all shapes, sizes, and colors. JCPenney, make everybody count. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals, committed to improving your life as well as the world around you. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. Hey guys, you know what this playground could use? A wine country, huh? A redwood forest would be cool. Ski slopes! Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. Welcome back to Criminalia. So, is John Dee a scientist or is he a sorcerer? Let's discuss. John had set his more scientific and mathematical work aside for the crystal ball and obsidian mirror. Upon returning home to England, Dee found that his home and that enormous and enviable library we mentioned had both been broken into, pillaged, and vandalized. John did return to the Queen's service when Elizabeth I appointed him warden of Manchester College in 1596, but he found himself out of royal favor when the queen was succeeded by James I. The end of John's life was overwhelmed by poverty and isolation. History has long said that he died at Mortlake in December of 1608 and was buried in the Church of St. Mary the Virgin. 
But over the years, new evidence has emerged that suggests that maybe his death didn't happen that way. Perhaps instead, his death actually took place the following March in 1609, and that instead of at Mortlake, rather it happened in the London home of his friend, probable fellow alchemist and possible executor to his estate, John Pontois. Pretty much everyone who has tried has found it difficult to categorize John D. Is he a scientist or a sorcerer? John was a fairly marginal character for most of the 20th century, and it wasn't until the 1960s and 70s that his story began to reemerge, this time regarding the advances in astronomy and philosophy that occurred during his lifetime. A new focus was placed on Dee's contributions to subjects including mathematics, geography, astronomy, and navigation, and his magical investigations and occult leanings were de-emphasized. Many of his contemporaries would have tried to pin him down as a philosopher, or an astrologer, or perhaps even a magician. All would have agreed on one thing, though. John Dee was, perhaps most of all, a mathematician. In his work, The Mathematical Preface to the Elements of Geometry of Euclid and Megara, published in 1570, Dee argued that mathematics was an influence, and an important influence, on all other arts and sciences. This became one of John's most widely and most frequently reprinted writings. And when it comes to those writings, and specifically that writing, let's quote Galileo. The book of nature is written in the language of mathematics. You probably recognize Galileo as the famous Italian astronomer, physicist, and engineer, and there's probably a few other things I could add to that list as well. The two were contemporaries, but Dee would have been nearly 40 years old when Galileo was born. Galileo's point here was complicated, but it boils down to really this. No true science would be called a science until it had become mathematical. Natural philosophy, which Dee had interest in studying, was the philosophical study of nature and the physical universe. So the idea that John's work was written in the language of mathematics was really big. And German philosopher Immanuel Kant backed up this idea in the 18th century, saying, quote, There is only that much genuine science in any science as it contains mathematics. To put it all into perspective, though, definitions were still pretty fluid at this point, and Kant, applying the idea that modern science must be mathematicized, denied that chemistry was a science. So, not all wisdom is universal to all things. <laughs> right. It's a work in progress here. It was agreed, though, that, quote, Dee's work looks like mumbo-jumbo and mysticism, yet it was mathematical. And that was what mattered. During his lifetime, John was never rewarded for his intellectual achievements. But his legend, his ideas and inventions, they live on in so many ways. In literature, comics, opera, songs, video games, and even James Bond. James Bond? James yes. Bond. Yes, but first, Prospero. John Dee and William Shakespeare were contemporaries, and while no one can be sure if the two men ever met each other, it's not unlikely that they knew of each other. That's all speculative, though. However, scholars are almost certain that Shakespeare used John as the model for his character of Prospero, an alchemist who uses magical powers to manipulate and intimidate in the play The Tempest. 
The Tempest was probably written in 1610 or 1611, so not long after John Dee's death. And it is not just the character of Prospero that he inspired. He was considered to have been the inspiration for Christopher Marlowe's character Dr. Faustus, as well as Ben Jonson's The Alchemist. And then there's Dee. John Dee. So we discovered a long history regarding John Dee as a spy. And it all seems to have started when 17th century scientist Robert Hooke suggested that Dee was officially employed by Elizabeth I, not for his abilities as an oracle, but that he was really an undercover agent for the crown. Hooke argued that John traveled Europe as an academic, but his real job was to gather information for the queen. Hooke also defended John's conversations with the angels by explaining they must have been encrypted intelligence messages sent from the royal court. We have actually no proof of anything that Hooke said about Dee in this capacity. It just seems to be out there, sort of floating in the ether. In 1968, rumors swirled that John had signed his name as 007 in his correspondence with Queen Elizabeth I. And the code was rumored to mean, for the Queen's eyes only. But again, there, there's nothing to see here other than rumors. But, I mean, well, actually, there is one thing. It has been said that Dee did actually sign his memos to Elizabeth with specific symbols. Two O's, like a pair of eyes, followed by a seven with its top drawn across the back of the O's. It's much more likely, though, to be true that Dee advised the Queen's Director of Intelligence Francis Walsingham, on issues of national security as well as on establishing a network of spies and codes. Because remember, he was competent with scrying, with seeing what was to come. Much more of a project manager than a field agent at that point. (laughs) Yes, very much so. So angel conversationalist or not, conjurer or mathematician, During the Scientific Revolution, that's the specific period of scientific growth shortly after Dee's death during the 16th and 17th centuries, Dee's ideas and visions began to be heard and taken seriously by a larger circle of scientists. And with a quote from John himself, we're going to stroll over to the cauldron, quote, who does not understand should either learn or be silent. So Holly, teach us what's in the cauldron. Oh, surprises. (laughs) Surprises. I feel like this is is one of those drinks that is either going to lose half of the listeners or or delight them, or maybe it'll be a 50-50 split. But in any case... Tell us! This is a drink that I call angel language. Because I was really obsessed with this idea of like, oh, yes, we're uh, we're talking to angels. They're teaching us alphabets and also (laughs) instructing us to do interesting things. Um, (laughs) And so I just kept thinking about like what a what a strange and sort of wonderful thing to be like, oh, yeah, I'm talking to the angels later. I got to I can have lunch, but I have a meeting with the angels. I have a meeting with the angels at five. Like, I'm like. So I wanted to come up with something that felt a little angelic, and I noodled on it for a bit, and then I realized I wanted to do something with champagne. And this one has some roots with the classic champagne cocktail from the 1850s, but with a twist that kind of nods to John Dee. The classic champagne cocktail, which isn't what we're making here today, but I'll give it to you in case is a sugar cube that is then doused with Angostura bitters and you drop it in your glass before you pour the champagne so it sweetens it. 
some people just use regular sugar, not a sugar cube. And now some people would use simple syrup. It's delightful. However, this one, I'm telling you, it's a little weird, but come with me. Something very fun happens. I highly recommend using a coupe for this one rather than a fluted champagne glass because uh, it helps with a thing that I will describe <laughs> in a moment. It does the thing for you. <laughs> You're going to build this, like I said, in the glass. So it's not something you shake and then pour in. You want to go ahead and build it in the glass. So it's going to start with a blorp. That's an official measurement. Um, <laughs> I've seen it popping up in cookbooks recently. Like a spoonful of marshmallow cream. <laughs> well, this is starting interestingly. <laughs> I know, I told you. And you're going to toss that in your glass. And then on top of that, you'll pour a half ounce of creme de violette. If you don't like violet cordial, you could use almost any other cordial here that you prefer. And then an ounce of whipped cream or vanilla vodka, whatever. I had whipped cream vodka on hand, but vanilla vodka would work just fine here. And then you're going to top all that with champagne. And so what happens is your marshmallow fluff um, or your marshmallow cream, whichever you've bought, is going to start to break apart and dissolve a little. And it makes these beautiful little cloud shapes in the, the glass. And it's got that kind of in my case, the creme de violette added a little pink hue, mm-hmm. so it looks almost like a pretty sunset. And it gets sweeter as you drink it because more and more of the marshmallow fluff has broken down. And it's just very beautiful. You could even, if you wanted to play John D. Fun, you could <laughs> say that you were reading the the fluff clouds as they break apart, like one would divine tea leaves or something. There's no real thing going on there. It's just delicious sugar breaking into pieces. But this is a drink that tastes like candy and surely (laughs) packs a wallop. Like I described it as I was workshopping it. I was tweeting a little about it and I said it was like being slapped around by kittens. It's so yummy and you're like, oh, it's a very desserty drink. But because I mean, you have vodka and a liqueur and champagne. The only thing that's not an alcohol in there is marshmallow fluff. So I have to tell you, like I, I, I grew up with marshmallow fluff, fluffer nutters. Where I, yeah, um, and uh, I have this association with marshmallow fluff and peanut butter. <laughs> so, like, I'm so glad that you've broken fluff out for me into a different world because <laughs> I was never really a fan of the fluffer nutter, but I, <laughs> I am a fan of the I'm things not that you either. put in your drink. So, I'd much rather have that. And I do like marshmallow flavored everything. So, um, yeah, I kind of wanted to do something that tasted a little like angel food cake, which it does. And it is light because of the champagne, so it's kind of like an angel food cakey nod as well. Here's how you would do the mocktail version of this. Marshmallow cream or marshmallow fluff, obviously fine. Instead of your cordial, you can just do a flavored syrup, whatever variety you like. I wanted to do a rose syrup, but I'm trying not to be a predictable beast. Um, But also, (laughs) I mean, if you like a raspberry syrup, like any syrup that you like would be fun to try here. Obviously, you can't do the vodka. Here is what I would do. A little bit of cream soda and then your ginger ale on top of that. I would do one or both of those in a low sugar or sugar-free version. Otherwise, (laughs) it's going to be pretty cloying. But if you like super sweet, then go for it. The other fun thing that happens that I didn't mention with the alcoholic version is that when you pour the champagne in, it really reacts with the marshmallow fluff and does this like kind of explodey 
Does it have a chemical com- chemical reaction? A little bit. I mean, it just, it has, you have a big moment initially. So definitely pour it slowly. Don't just like, because it's going to expand pretty quickly. And you may have an overflow onto your counter like I did. <laughs> it happens. Tools of the trade. So it's a fun little dessert sparkler. And like I said, it's called Angel Language. I love it. <laughs> I love it. I want to make, I would have had two, but I workshop them sometimes in the mornings yeah. before we record. And I didn't need to come to this recording <laughs> like Stumbelina. I would have been really not, not. Ho- Holly in the corner. <laughs> right. I'd have been like, what do you mean, John? Uh, it wouldn't have been very good at all. So <laughs> nobody needs that. So uh, if you make a little angel language i hope it's delightful for you i hope that you meet us back here next week where we will have yet another episode of criminalia and i hope that you have enjoyed this one and i want to thank you for spending this time with us Criminalia is a production of Shondaland Audio in partnership with iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from Shondaland Audio, please visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. The wait is almost over. Get ready for the 2024 NFL season as the full schedule is announced. Every rivalry, every rematch, every rookie debut, every game revealed. The 2024 NFL Schedule Release, presented by Verizon, coming in May. Live on NFL Network, ESPN2, and streaming on NFL+. Terms and conditions apply to NFL+. Visit nfl.com slash schedule release to learn more. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals, committed to improving your life as well as the world around you. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. Hey guys, you know what this playground could use? A wine country, huh? A redwood forest would be cool. Ski slopes! Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. Awards Watch says Liam Neeson is at his best. Don't miss In the Land of Saints and Sinners. Having left his dark past behind, retired hitman Finbar Murphy, played by Neeson, leads a quiet life in a remote coastal Irish town. But when a menacing crew of terrorists arrive, Finbar is drawn into a vicious game of cat and mouse, forcing him to choose between exposing his secret identity or defending his friends and neighbors. In the land of saints and sinners, from Samuel Goldwyn Films and Sony Pictures Home Entertainment, watch it now on digital. Rated R.